rejoice. Hallelujah. It's that Sunday called Easter. And many people in our secular society have a hard time with Easter. Many, many Unitarian Universalists included have a hard time with Easter. Not everything. Egg hunts? We're going to have an egg hunt pretty soon. Flower bouquets, family dinner. We may even love the Easter hymns. Love the Easter hymns. Even wonder why the minister didn't include Christ the Lord has risen today in the hymn, the song list for today. I bet you some have wondered. But nevertheless, people have a problem with Easter. Lots of us, lots of us because they just don't believe that, that story that's the central message about Jesus walking around and helping out with the fishing. So my impulse as a Unitarian Universalist minister is to explain. Explain by going back to origins. Back to the old time days. And I'm going to do that with a little help from Doug Muter. Every year, every year, Ancient peoples in the northern hemisphere, and that's probably been 30,000 years of people living in the northern hemisphere, maybe, maybe longer, witnessed two regularly occurring miracles. The sun turning around on the winter solstice and the plant world coming back to life in the spring. They were miracles, really, really miracles. Not because they violated the laws of nature, but because they were life-giving, hope-restoring, encouraging in the deepest, deepest, deepest sense of the world. Human life depended on these miracles. If, if some year, the sun just kept drifting south, and the days kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter until the sun vanished completely. Or if the seeds just stayed seeds, what would they do? What would our ancestors have done? Nothing. They would have done nothing that would have been doomed. It would have been the end of life, of hope, of community, and sure enough, and sure enough, the sun came back. And the days became longer and eventually warmer, and finally about this time of year, the plants began growing and blooming again. And sometimes people say, oh, the Unitarians, they always talk about Easter being some kind of spring thing, about flowers and stuff. But spring was life-giving to people who lived in the Northern Hemisphere. Meet the Anglo-Saxon goddess of spring. Her name was Easter. Easter was the name of the Anglo-Saxon goddess of spring. And we don't have to wonder what they were celebrating. 
It was getting warmer. The plants were growing again. Doom was averted. You might say, well, didn't they expect it? Didn't they have it, didn't write it down and know about all that, the earth tilting and relation to the sun and it would, it would all work out and spin. <laughs> no. <laughs> they organized huge parties and danced around and, and said, sun, come back. And it did. And so they figured the dancing was what made the sun come back. So they it was rejoice. Easter. She was beautiful. Now, this idea that talking about spring is sort of lightweight, that we're really not getting deep. But spring or Eastertide, that Anglo-Saxon goddess was a particularly complex holiday because it marked the victory of life over death, but that battle was always costly. All winter, the harvest had dwindled. The root cellar was getting empty. The silos were going down. My people, the Cherokee, built silos to hold the maize corn above the grounds, hoping that the squirrels wouldn't crawl up those sticks and those boards and get in and eat all of the maize corn. In Europe, it was wheat that was stored. It was wheat grains, and they would make the wheat. That's what you kept you alive. And it could, it could March, April, if it, there wasn't primavera, if there wasn't the new life that you could create spring vegetables, the grains might be gone. My people, the Cherokee, called February the hungry moon. Diseases spread among people huddled together in those little huts, those drafty little huts. The rabbi, uh, you know, it must have been his summer place. It was hard for the, the sick to recover when you can't stay warm. When you can't stay warm, it's hard on a person who's not feeling very well. The snow altered trails, and the trails were now confusing. If you ever take, took a hike in a place you know very well in the wintertime, you know how confusing it is because the snow is all over the trail. And the short days made gathering wood and hunting dangerous and one might not get, might get lost and you could freeze to death and falling through, falling through the ice on a cold lake. You might not get back to the fire in time. So it was, it was not something that we maybe understand with down coats and central heating, and, but it was a hard time and it was a dying time. And most of the people who died in any given year died in February and March and January. 
Persephone, the life force was in Hades. Good luck in surviving until she got back. Everyone who made it to spring had run that gauntlet. Everyone who made it to spring had felt themselves to be survivors. Scratch the gilded surface of today's spring holidays and that underlying grimness still shows through. What passes over on Passover is the angel of death. Taking the firstborn of every Egyptian family and from the children of Israel, from that event, the children of Israel go free. It's got a dark side and a light side to that holiday. Likewise with the empty tomb of Easter. Easter, a celebration in the Christian holiday, means little without the crucifixion of Jesus, without losing the leader of the movement. So look, think. Dark side, light side. So the spring holidays from the most ancient times have been about seeing hope and freedom and salvation on the other side of suffering, devastation, and death. So we have a hard time with Easter unless we can turn off the central heating, I guess. And Spend time with the hardness of that moment. In our st story today, a community, a community, a religious community gathered around the so-called monastery model discovers their resurrection story in each other, in each other. That's where they discover it. In the winter of despair, they give, had given up on community. They had given up on community and were, had gone into bitter survival mode, and in the story, in the story, because of the gift of the rabbi, they discover each other. Come to discover that each of them is the promised one, the chosen one, the liberator one, what the Aramaic and Hebrew word, Messiah. The Messiah is the one who will make us all, everything good will take us out of bondage, the Messiah will set us free. And in, as their community is renewed by each other, in turn, each of them is renewed. As the community is renewed by each other's affirmation, they themselves are renewed by love, by mutual encouragement, by common service, by sharing in new endeavors, new possibilities. And I think, I think, in a deep way, that's the recurring story, story of Easter. The ancients celebrated the return of spring, yes, not simply because life overcame death in some abstract way, but because life overcame death in their personal experience. The first fruits were not simply the symbols of spring, they were food. And for hungry people, food is life, 
warmth is life, and the community becomes visible, visible once again. And just like that little monastery in our story, I think that happened to the followers of Jesus. After the execution of Jesus, they were afraid. They were on the run in the most literal sense of the word. And they were heartbroken. They were scared. They were And somehow, somehow they remembered. They remembered something he said. Somehow they recalled something he did. And like grieving people everywhere in all times, in all places, they began to find each other. Together, in community, they would share their stories, their memories, and tell each other their stories and share. And in the coming together, they discovered he was not dead, that he lived among them, and they discovered themselves, and they knew, they knew because of the rabbi from Nazareth's gift to them that the Messiah was among them, among them, that they were a community, and they were bodies of his message. So that ancient metaphor was born. They were the body of the Messiah. They were the body of the Messiah. The Greek word for Messiah is Christ. And so it went. And so it goes. 2,000 years later. That is the story that was taught to me when I was many years ago in a Unitarian Sunday school. Just like that. That was the story. I looked it up. Because, you know, you want to make sure you actually remember the story. Sophia Lyon Foz, the, Jesus the Carpenter's Son, published by Beacon Press, 1947. She argues the followers came to together and encouraged each other and chose to stand on the side of love and overcame their despair. Yes, their beloved leader was dead, but they had together owned his vision, his mission, and they would carry it forth. Jesus died as a man, but was risen as a church, a community of commitment. Death was not victorious. Love and community overcame all obstacles. It always does, and it always will. Our next song is number 13. <coughs> My voice. Number 13 in Voss's 